between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. Our Father, we just honor you today. We honor you this morning again. Lord, we are joyful again for the great privilege, the awesome privilege to come before you, our Father and our Lord, to bring our hearts, our vessel unto you. We ask you will accept our worship, accept our songs, accept our praises to you. Our words may not do it justice, but Lord, you mean everything. You are everything to us. We honor you this morning. We ask that you will be exalted in our hearts. Lord, we are before you again, hoping and trusting to feed from you, to hear your words that will bless us. Our God, we are asking for the move of the Spirit. We ask for the release of your presence. We ask for the authorization from the throne for your things to flow, for your word to come to us. Thank you, our God. We, at this point, submit to the ministering graces which you have made available. We submit to the ministering spirit, the spirit who will carry this word and bring this message, who have things to say to people, to the hearts of your people. We ask you, we will find grace this morning to submit to that spirit, to connect to him, to flow with him, that nothing of our own selves will flow, but Lord, that which is expressed out of your lips. Thank you, my Father. I yield my, this verse unto you. Come and take it in this moment. Rapture it and make it your own and use it as your oracle to speak and to bless our hearts. Thank you, Father. We give all the glory to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. You can have your seats. <coughs> good morning to you. Um, please just say good morning to someone. Um, you can shake. I think we are beyond the point where we can shake hands now. <laughs> So you can shake hands if you need to. You can smile. Say, I'm happy to see you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Thank you, Father. Give you praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Shamala hatu suprata la mastu pranda la pari karosi. Creseta kari arabo sutali brensutaha. Fasted yihata. Glory to your name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Second Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians, let's see, chapter 2. Amen. Please. 
thank you. Just a copy. Amen. If you're there, say amen. amen. Praise God. Um, I'm sure we're all aware that the school of the spirit is coming up. Soon. How many of us are excited for it? <laughs> Praise God. Um, we're, we're trusting God for an awesome visitation by God's grace. Um, we will communicate details, um, some, some important details we'll need to get out in the next, next week or so, by God's grace, concerning the program. So begin to prepare your hearts, begin to pray, and um, anticipate and expect what the Lord will do. Praise the Lord. Okay, let's see. Um, sorry, my Bible has flipped somewhere else. <laughs> Amen. Okay. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, um, I'll read from verse 1. It says that, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Praise the Lord. And let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposed and exalted himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he is God seated in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. <clears throat> and remember, you know, that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. And now you know that you know what with Hold it that he might be revealed in his time, for the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Praise God. And only he who now let it will let until he be taken out of the way, and then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the walking of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders, with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusions that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but hath pleasure in unrighteousness. 
Praise the Lord. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God had from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and then the belief of the truth. Hereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. And therefore, brethren, stand fast. Hold the traditions which you have been taught, whether by word or by our epistle. And now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which had loved us and had given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, may he comfort your hearts and then establish you in every good word and what? And work. Praise God. Um, in, verse, in verse 13, um, he said that we are bound to give always thanks to God for you, brethren beloved of the Lord, because God had from the beginning chosen you unto salvation. Praise God. So you've been chosen for, to be saved, Right? And well, the process of salvation is through what you call sanctification, right, of the spirit. And sanctification of the spirit and then the belief of the truth. Now, of course, the, the, the belief of the truth is also some form of sanctification, right? Um, because in the book of John chapter 17, um, Jesus was speaking to the Father. He told the Father, sanctify them by thy truth. Because, and thy word is what? Is truth. So, so in this verse, he's speaking about the phases through which some salvation will be attained. That there are two processes or two main things that have to occur um, to make a soul arrive at where they have been chosen to come into. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So the, the, the thing about salvation is choice. Right, there is choice. There are two things I think really involved in our journey to God is this first calling and then choosing. Those are not those are not the same thing. The point where God calls a soul, and after a soul has been called, a soul can be called but not yet chosen. Right? The Bible itself says it that many are called, but what? Few few are chosen. Praise the Lord. And we know that the calling is really the new birth. Do you agree with that? That every time someone gets born again, whenever somebody gets born again, it is the, the giving, the release of a calling. The, the new birth is a calling. When they call a person from the dead, only a calling can make someone come from the dead. Praise God. It's the calling is the is the instrument of resurrection. Praise God. Um, is that you, you can't, if you don't attach a calling, you, will not, you, you cannot, you'll be violating the law of the grave to try and bring somebody out of the grave without a calling. Uh, because they are not just there for fun. There are things, there are laws that keep a soul in the grave. Praise the Lord. Do you agree with what I'm saying? Yes, sir. That most when someone is dead, that most likely if you ask them, do you want to be dead, most of the time, praise God, 
you say, okay, well, people commit suicide, I agree, but a lot of times, someone who commits suicide, they're not in their right mind. If you could have just waited a little and then asked them, you really, really want to die, somehow they would have thought about it. Praise the Lord. So, so the grave is a, is, a, is a prison, right? It's a prison that is a prison. And when you talk about grave for spirits and grave for souls, it's a prison that is garrisoned by laws, right? And you can't just bring someone back. You can't bring a spirit from the dead or a soul from the dead without first answering the, the questions that the grave has against that person. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. He said the sting of death is sin, right? The strength of sin is the law. Am I correct? The sting of death, that was the book of First um, Corinthians chapter 15, right? Towards the end later, he said the sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. So that thing called death, death is the owner of the grave. Do you get what I'm saying? The, the death or the grave is the prison where death keeps his captives. Right? Death has the grave. It's, an, it's a place where the death can use uses to hold his captive. And so the, the strength, the sting of death means if death wants to come, Death must sting for it to come. Death cannot come without that thing called a sting. Like when you look at um, venomous creatures like serpents and scorpions, am I correct? And cool. When they sting a person, what they are they releasing? Since the sting is what? Is a ven- what is venom? Venom are laws. They are just laws, something that can move into the body and break down normal bodily function. Things that can make the body stop doing what it normally should do. They will go there and they can tamper with the, the flow of the laws of the body. So it's very clear that they also have, they are introducing their own laws. Well, are you seeing? So normally the, the body is built and framed to live. But the venom of maybe a serpent or something, a scorpion can come and say, no, we have to, we can, we tamper with what you normally do to sustain life will break things down, break the flow of life down and make, cause death to occur. You see that? So that was an analogy that Apostle Paul was using to describe how death operates. Praise God. So for death to kill, death must sting. And the strength this, this, of the sting of death is sin and the strength of sin. So what is inside sin that makes it a potent weapon? For in the arsenal of death is that it has something within it that makes it powerful to kill. He said that that thing is what? The law. So it's very clear that, that it's law. Life is a law. And to kill, you have to bring a different law, praise the Lord, against the law of life to what? To kill. Praise God. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? So this thing about coming back from the dead um, is not just something that just happens. Um, there has to be, there's a way you, we can think of resurrection. You know, when you hear resurrection power, all of those things, um, not just speaking about the body now, you're speaking about the soul and the spirit. Praise the Lord. So to be able to bring the soul and the spirit out of the grave 
there is a way we, know, we think it's just a purely brutal operation. Like God's power is so, was so great. Like the day that Jesus rose from the dead. Praise the Lord. When he went down to the depths and then the Bible says he was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. That there is a way you can picture it as just something just too powerful just came. But it's not a brutal operation. Um, that for him to come out of the grave, what was holding him in, him in the grave, the power of the grave, which is, in, which is a legal strength. The strength of the grave is a legal strength. That strength must be overcome. You have to bring a higher law than the law of the grave to make somebody come out of the grave. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Yes, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So that, and that's, that thing is, that's why I said that it is, without a calling, it's hard. For that thing called the new birth, I'm talking about the release of the spirit from the, from the dead, right? Or the recreation of the spirit will not occur except a calling is placed on the soul. I mean, if you have a sense of what I'm trying to say. So if you say, okay, just raise, raise someone from the dead. Um, you want to recreate a spirit out of the dead. And say, okay, what are you recreating the spirit for? They will ask, maybe in the spirit, all the, the, the powers that holds souls, that holds all the dead souls. You ask, okay, what are they being raised for. I said, no, nothing, just to change position. <laughs> and this is an insight into the way the things work in the spirit, right? So the thing about being raised from the dead, there are a lot of things that are, that are at play. You wonder, why can't this person just give their life to Christ? You don't know that it's not just, it's not just a brutal power thing. God, you have all the power. Okay, let the whole world get born again today. If it was left to us, we like that kind of operation. But it's not like that. You need to know something. Some things need to occur in the spirit. You need to answer. When the grave asks questions, answer must come. There has to be a, 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 an answer that can, that can defeat the legal ground of the grave to hold a soul. So a lot of times, when you are praying for someone to be saved, what you are actually praying for is the release of a calling. On their soul. That anybody who is not called, who doesn't have, for, for somebody's spirit to be raised from the dead, a calling must have been put on their soul that a person who is dead cannot fulfill. Do you, do you agree with that? That was also the way Jesus rose from the dead, right? Because when they held him in hell, they now, be, they now found out later that, ah, but this soul had never seen one day. So we cannot hold the spirit down because of the, the calling on his soul. The calling on his soul was too much that it doesn't match what is in his soul. Now, when they look at all, all he did on the earth, and then they, they, lie, they now match it with this place, that this spirit, he said the, the grave couldn't, he couldn't be held by it. That was what the Bible says. That's why he, he was raised from the dead. And that's the way it is for everybody who is raised from the dead is because there has to be 
the soul must come to a place where a calling rests upon the soul. What is a calling? Things to fulfill. Things to fulfill. Things which only the living can do. There are things, of course, it's not buying house, prospering, buying car, being the, the, at the top of the industry. Dead men can do all those things. Yeah. How many of you need to be raised from your spirit? I needed to be raised from your spirit before you made money. <laughs> have you ever gone to a job interview and then they ask you, uh, <clears throat> after all the questions, you say, we have just one last question. Oza, are you, uh, <clears throat> are you raised from the dead? <laughs> Praise God. When you want to go and buy a house in the neighborhood, they say, no, we, don't, we only sell houses here to people who's... Um, <clears throat> whose spirits are no longer in the grave. No, there's nothing in this world that you need to be raised from the dead to do. Whatever you think that you are getting because in this world, I mean a natural thing, that you think is because you are a Christian, it's coming. You just need to slap you and then show you some, many unbelievers who have more than what you have, who are, who are completely dead in their spirits. There's nothing in, this, in, this, in the present. Because, so there's nothing here in the present world, but anything that pertains to the present life that is not attainable by the, someone who is dead in their spirit. So it's very clear that for you to come out of, for you to be raised from the grave, there has to be a calling upon you that involves the attainment of some things that are greater than what people who are dead in their spirits can do. And that was the main reason Jesus came to die. Jesus did not have to die for men to be rich and for men to have gained things and all of that because men have been doing that a long time ago since he came. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Praise the Lord. So this journey towards salvation um, is first a, a, what you call a calling, right? There's a calling that must be placed upon the soul. The calling resides in the soul. It's a calling, but it's a calling which the spirit answers to. When the calling, the calling lands on the soul, the spirit can get what? Regenerated. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Uh, are, you, are you enjoying what I'm saying this morning? I don't know if you understand what I'm trying to say. Yes. Praise the Lord. So when you are born again, you are not just your own. You know, the Bible says you are not your own anymore. You don't, you don't belong to yourself. When they raised you from the dead, you were raised to come and fulfill something. Praise God. So, but after being called, then there's what you call being chosen. That's the second phase. So, there's no guarantee that everybody who is called will be what? Be, be chosen. Amen. So, after you get born again, they begin process to make you choosable. Who is choosing? God is the one who will choose ultimately. Praise the Lord. What is the, cho- what is the choice about? The choice is the choice of, of vessels who are fitted for salvation. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Yes, 
the, the, the choice of vessels who are compatible with salvation, who are compatible. So they'll check you, what, who can we save? You know, it's not everybody that they can save. Right? Because saving, of course, wasn't getting you born again. If, if salvation is getting you born again, there will be nothing like someone backsliding and all that. So anybody who backslid, it's very clear they were not saved because salvation is, has an eternal component to it. Amen. So, and the calling, you see, the Lord Jesus Christ, they spoke, to him, they spoke about him as the high priest of our profession. He's also the high priest of our calling. The calling and the profession are the same thing. Amen. And you saw that his main mandate and his ministry is to, according to the book of Hebrews, to save to the uttermost. So that he might save to the uttermost, to them that come to God by him. So salvation is actually the taking of a soul, bringing a soul to a point where there is, he's no longer in danger of death anymore. Praise the Lord. Now, verse, this verse 13, it says that um, we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God had from the beginning, he had from the beginning chosen you. Are you seeing that? He has from the beginning chosen you. When you say, what is this beginning? You wonder, what beginning is this? Praise God. He has, the, say beginning. beginning. So this beginning here, is the beginning to embark on this journey. Not every soul gets embarked, sorry, begins to get embarked, begins to embark on, on the journey of salvation. Praise God. For, for the soul to be embarked on the, on the, to embark on the journey of salvation, something must happen to you first. They must first go, you must first go through something called the sanctification of what? Of the spirit. When a person is not, hasn't had the sanctification of the Spirit, the first choosing will not happen. There are, there are different choices, but there's what you call the, the choice, the choosing from the beginning, from the beginning of the journey that you ought to take. Or is actually choosing for, praise the Lord, the choosing into the, the realm of sanctification. Or you can also then put it this way, that even that sanctification itself is also the, the mechanism of, of choice. So what that means is that if a person gets born again, okay, I'm born again, I realize there's a calling in my soul. And say, okay, but I'm not going to do anything about it. I swear I'm not going to do anything about it. I'm just going to stay here. I'm going to live the way everybody lives, and in the end I will go to heaven. And that's all I want to do. And then when, you say, when a soul says that, you, know, you might not say it like that. Nobody has mind to say it. But inside, when they, check, when they check inside the soul, you know that this soul has actually sworn that, you see, all these things I'm going after, I'm not going to leave them. I'm going to keep pursuing them. Praise the Lord. So, so when a soul is that way, then God will say, okay, I called you to something, but... You don't refuse the process of getting there. So I will not choose you. You will see why many will be called and then few. It's not a wickedness something. It's not partiality. It's not wickedness. It's not partiality. 
actually it has to do a lot. What, what changed many to few is the choices of men. Even though they say chosen, it sounds like it's God, but you need to understand the scripture. <laughs> it is the what? It's the choices of men that will change many to few. That when it's time for choosing, you know, discover that there are no many anymore. There are few. There are now few. Why? Because only few will choose to go through the process that it will take to be received by God. Praise the Lord. Are you getting what I'm saying? Are you seeing what I'm saying here? So they, they, they broke down this um, choice, the, the, the season of choice in, for the soul into, first of all, the sanctification of the spirit. Now what? Sanctification of the spirit is used capital letter S. So that was spirit actually talks about the person of the Holy Spirit, not necessarily talking about the um, the summation of the resource of spirit, things that are spiritual in God. But he's talking about just that person of the spirit who by himself can wrought some kind of sanctification. Do you agree with me? So that kind of sanctification is not, it is talking about the sanctification that does not involve things that are truth. Right? The sanctification that involves truth is a kind which Jesus spoke about in John chapter 17, which he began to pray. Because that is the real dream. That was really, you know that, you know that John 17 prayer was very close to when they were about to take him. Very close to when he was about to leave. You know, in that, he said many things about, there, about how Many, you've gave me many of me, this, these people, and out of all of them you gave me, I have kept all of them, apart from that one, that son of perdition. Praise, and he began to pray for them, began to pray you will keep them, you won't take them out of the world, but rather you will keep them from the evil. And also, it was almost like a, almost like a report to the Father of all that he has done on the earth, you know, for, concerning the purpose why he was sent to the, to the earth. And then he began to pray that he should... Lord, please sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. So one of the main reasons for, for Jesus to come was for, to allow truth to flow into the realm or to make truth come within the grasp of man. To make truth come within the grasp. Praise God. Hallelujah. Within the grasp. Now, that thing called truth, someone, you can get born again and then filled with the Holy Spirit but yet you've not yet begun to deal with truth. They are, and the Holy Spirit can be bringing some kind of sanctification, but it's not talking about, it's not a sanctification by thy truth. The word sanctify just means remove something that is not good, something that is unclean in a way. Praise the Lord. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Remove something that is not good. And Holy Spirit in his person can do that. So it's not a question, okay, what is really, really being sanctified? So there's an outward sanctification of the Spirit, which the Holy Spirit rots. Once you get born again, you get filled with the Spirit, you begin to learn the milk of the Word, right? 
at that point, you begin to be ministered to by the person of the Holy Spirit. Every person who is born again, the Holy Spirit just takes you. And he begins to, but he will, his ministry to you is, he's not involving the other two beings that are involved, like God the Father, God the Son, right? Those are other two persons who are also God. Who, those persons, they also have their own sanctification operation. It's God that distributed himself into persons and say, okay, you, you take this office, you take this office, you take this office. You can, you do, they don't encroach in each other's office because they operate, they have order of operation. Praise God. So, there is a sanctification which the Holy Spirit, if you are dealing with the Holy Spirit, and he say, okay, I'm not involving the second person. Now, who is that second person? Really, the second person is what you call the word or the logos. Praise the Lord. The second person is the logos. There's the, the actually three that bear record. It's actually the Father, the Logos, and the Spirit. When they're going to distribute themselves for the, you know, their distribution, it, it is not necessarily their, their eternal way of, ex, of being in the eternal past. I don't necessarily think so. That des- distribution is for the purpose of this thing called salvation. That in order to save, they look, they look at man, what kind of creature is man? They understand what kind of person it means. That we can't just bring that eternal entity called God that has all our essence together and bring him, you will cause devastation. You can't do that. So you say, okay, we have to, for salvation to occur, let us take, let us take our logos. Let us take our logos. Let us create, let us not, not create, let us, let us split ourselves almost in a sense. Or let us, let us carve out a ministry. Or let us carve out a person of our spirit who can operate without using the essence of our logos. Because that thing called the logos is a, is a weighty thing. That's where the summation of the, the laws of what they call God is inside. You can't bring that thing to a man who hasn't been prepped yet. You, can't, you have to prep man to relate with logos. Logos, the thought of Logos, it can kill. It can make alive. I'm talking about just thought. The thought that God thinks. God's thinking. You know those thinking are laws. Way of reasoning. Way of reasoning. There's a way Logos handles when he sees iniquity, sin. Logos anointed to handle, swallow sin and chew it and crumble it. Amen. <laughs> Logos, when you see, you see law versus law fighting, law versus law, it's not, they don't come to compromise. It's, just, it's like, you know the way the white blood cells are in the body, eh? The, the white blood cells, they, they actually carry the law of protection, of defense. The, the white blood cells, they, are, they themselves are willing to die. Wow. Like they, they fight till death. Do you know that? When a, when a virus attacks the body, let's say a flu virus or something, you know, a lot of times those phlegm and all that you're coughing out, yeah. see that color, many times there's plenty of white blood cells who have died. Is that you are not a part of this body. Yes. They, they go there like kamikaze warriors. You know what kamikaze is? <laughs> so if you have studied history, you know what I'm talking about. 
those bad Japanese guys. Do you know that? You know them? They, were, they are specially trained pilots that the Japanese trained, right? Because the, the distance from Japan across the Pacific to the shores of the U.S. was so far, and they didn't have a base or anything. So they just raised pilots who, they, are, they, are, they know that your own mission is just to go and die. That they, they tell you, okay, it's time to go for mission, just when it's ready. You know, you know soldiers are not the same, eh? A lot of soldiers... When they send them, they have a hope that they are coming back. They have wife and children and all that, so they want to go and... But these guys are different. They train them. They know that the day they say it's time to go and fight, you know, that's the, you're not, it's guaranteed you are not coming back because their bomb is, their, is themselves. They are playing. <laughs> so they are suicide bombers, right? Those are the kind of guys... I don't know if you heard about the attack on Pearl Harbor in the U.S., in off the coast of Hawaii. Those are the guys the Japanese sent. You know what I mean? So, so white blood cells are like that. Right. So the, the battle of law is like, it was like, like one, two laws jam. One must die for the other. You know, as it pertains to life. Are you getting what I'm saying? As it pertains to what? As it pertains to life. So, so the, the, the release of law, like when God, talking about God's law, is a killing operation. The law, so you don't send the law of God to a person who is not ready for it. God is very careful with that thing. You see that thing, say logos. Logos. Now, if, if God was not like that, he would not be immortal. The, the immortal nature is a nature that has no tolerance for anything that is a threat to his form of life. That's why he's not, he doesn't nothing, he can never die. He can never end. Because there's so much power, praise the Lord, there's no tolerance for anything that doesn't agree with their form. Amen. Amen. Um, so the, praise the Lord, the sanctification of the spirit is talking about the Operation of the Holy Spirit. The first dealing to, of the first dealing a soul will have with the person of God, which is the Spirit, which will bring some kind of sanctification, but sanctification without what you call the logos involved. The logos is not involved. So the Holy Ghost will come and say, "Okay, in this your life that you have, there's a different life entirely of God's. God's life is completely foreign, but." This is your life, which you know about. There are some ways you are using this life that are not optimal. That me, I can give you some wisdom on how to help you, to prepare you. Are you getting one? Because when God made the present life, I don't, I'm talking about when he created Adam. When he made Adam, God made Adam in such a way that Adam should be ready to receive his logos. That was part of Adam's destiny. But when God made man, God made man that man should be ready to receive their logos. So, and that state of readiness to begin to receive the logos is something that, that, was, that point is around that state. Close to, the, in that state, that's where Satan come and Satan perceive that thing, that God put man in this condition to receive something higher. 
from him. So he began to break it down and to make man, take man far away from the state that is ready to receive what God wants to give. Amen. And all of that conversation is still within the framework of the present or the, 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 of the, the life of the first man which God created. The first created life of God, which is the life or it was the Adamic life. You call it the Adamic life. It's Adamic. Not every Adamic life is an Adam. Praise God. <clears throat> Not every Adamic life, who they call Adams, are specific. The order Adam is the perfection of the Adamic life. Like when God made Adam in the garden, that was the perfection of the Adamic life which they was began to get corrupted over time. Through generations and generations, it kept being corrupted. And after a while, this, this, they got to a point where the cutoff happened. And after this kind of men, they are no longer Adams. That was the season of Noah, Noah's generation. Praise the Lord. When the, the Lord recorded, these are the generations of Adam. He named them and named them and named them. He got to that generation and then stopped. They are no longer Adams. So you had Adamic men, but... There's so much corruption had occurred in the soul that they no longer what fulfilled that place. But at some point, Jesus Christ came. Jesus climbed again and became an Adam. They now call him the last Adam. Praise God. So the Adam of Genesis was the first Adam. Then there were Adams after Adam. Then after a while, the Adamic order stopped till one other Adam came later, which was Jesus, who then became the last Adam. So if you want to count all the Adams that has lived on the earth. There are not too many. You can count them from, from the scripture. Yes. Praise God. But though the life which was corrupted, which we all had, after when we got born again, that day you got born again, your spirit was recreated, but in your soul you still had the Adamic life. Yes. What is the life? Just your nature, what you things you like to do. What are the things that matter to you? That's Adam. Adamic, not Adam. Adamic. Adamic. Praise God. See, what's it, what the characteristic of an Adam? Praise the Lord. Adam. An Adam can like shoe more than truth. That's an example. Only an Adam can be like that. Bring an angel, they can't do that. <laughs> that can prioritize. This shoe is here, is high here. Then truth, yeah, all these revelations, all these things. These things that this pastor is always saying, just put them. They have their own place. You don't throw them away, they have their place. That's an Adamic nature, a corrupted Adamic nature. Can do that. An Adamic nature that is below the stature of an Adam is one who has had too much conversation with corruption. Corruption. What is corruption? Corruption is the, the falling of the estate, the reduction of the mind. The reduction, that's the, <laughs> any mind that is, that is tied to the ephemeral, things that pass away, is a corrupted mind. Any mind that cannot value invisible things, spiritual things, things higher than him. Adam was not like that, nah. Adam, Adam knew that there are things higher than him. If Adam didn't have appetite for things higher than him, he would not have been even tempted. Because Satan had to come and use that through the door of that appetite. And you will be like God. There are many of us, if someone come and tell you that, you will be like God. 
you will <laughs> praise God. You don't even know, like, you don't even know. I'm sure many of us, how many of you has read that thing before? And you can really, really see how that thing could be like the, a real temptation. Now, let me, let's break that thing down. So, now, if, because of maybe your greed, you can feel like, okay, if I am very like God, I can create house, I can create car. That's what I'm talking about, because Adam, <laughs> Adam will not have resolved that thought like that, because he already had everything in the natural. So, when you say, because he also explained, you wouldn't be as God knowing good and evil. Do you see the temptation? Now, many of us will not accept that. It would not be a temptation to us. What, what concerns me with knowing good and evil? <laughs> if, you can, you can, if, you can, if, it's, if this temptation is supernatural sense to know difference between good investment and bad. <laughs> now you are talking. Now you are tempting me. <laughs> Do you think what I'm trying to say? So, so even the temptation of Adam, he was a high man, eh? It means that there was a test for good, knowledge of good and evil. Those are, that's a spiritual, that's how you know a soul who is alive. You know, a soul who they are beginning to help out of corruption is a soul who, has beginning, who is beginning to find appreciation and value for judgment. Not judgment of natural, carnal, ephemeral things, but judgment of spiritual things. Praise the Lord. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? So, so that will tell you that the Adamic life, you now began to see how it began to get corrupted. And the corruption is the marrying of the soul to things that will pass away. That is the corruption. That is the evil. If you ask me, what does God want to deliver you from? To me, it's not that hard. It's just what, things that will pass away. Our attachment to them, our love for them, how our heart flows to them, how they, they trigger us, they wake us up deeply. Even when we are asleep, we are awake to them. Things that pass away. Say things that pass away. It's not easy to deliver man. Oh. You see, you give the man, you see this thing, this thing is today, tomorrow it will be no more. I like it. I like it. You say, why, why, why are you thinking about tomorrow being no more? I'm enjoying it. This is awesome. That's how our soul is. So, so this thing your soul is, is focusing on that's keeping you from pouring your energy and your, all your heart into the, the, the eternal things and the things of God. Now, this thing, they are going, you know, even the way it is and you're enjoying it now, by this time next week, you'll be enjoying it like this because it has its nature. There's nothing in this world that can give you constant enjoyment at the same level. If it's a new car, when you see it, whoa, what a ride. <laughs> you, know that, you know that reaction? Wow, what a ride. You know that thing was the first day you saw it. Yeah. The second day, you can never have that reaction. Next second, wow, this car is nice, eh? <laughs> <laughs> That's nature of corruption yes. for you. After a while, you look like nonsense. You're looking for another one. You need to go and buy another one. There's nothing, nothing. Look, at the, look for the greatest pleasures in life. There's nothing that doesn't have the nature of that, that perishing property to it. It will diminish. It will perish. 
Love not the world, not the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, love of the Father is not in him. All these things are in the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. Praise the Lord. And these things are not of the Father. They are what? Of the world. Then the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. So the lust means they are all those things you are attached to, they pass. But don't, the problem is that God is watching people passing, because if you are attached to something, it's passing away. It can't pass away without you passing away. Anytime you spend your soul on a lust, you are you are bringing about the expiration of your soul. Like I was saying last time, every soul has an end. So the the, the teaching, the training of man, Satan just came when he came to the earth. He just said, "This man that God has made, we will teach him. We will teach him our our knowledge." Our specialty, what we know, what they know is corruption. How to pass away is the knowledge. That's what man has been learning since. How to pass. When you say pass away, what do you mean? Men have been here. It's not physical passing away. He's talking about the gradual disintegration of the inward properties of the soul. That Satan wants man to become like a leaf, a paper who has no weight anymore. Because the, the amount of weight that you give to his spirit, when you, you open your eye in the realm of the spirit, men are in sizes. Men are in shapes. Men weigh differently. Men are not all the same. The, light, the more vanity you have, the lighter you are in the spirit. So the, the job of Satan is fill you, remove things from you, fill you with vanity. Remove things from you. Remove weight from you. Remove your, you know, the density that God had put into the soul. Then fill it. You see, vanity is, is big old. Do you know that? When you see vanity, vanity a lot of times doesn't look small. Vanity looks big. When I say big, I mean in terms of the soul's appreciation for it. You know, for a lot of times, what you appreciate the most will cause the most deprecation of your word, of the soul. How much? Because when you appreciate it so much, you can tie so much love for it to it. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Vain. That Solomon now explored everything under the wall. He said, this calling has God, this burden has God given unto me. <laughs> What's the burden? To find out all that men are doing. Everything. I want to go into everywhere. Let's see all the different spheres of learning. Go into entertainment, go into the sciences. Go in. Solomon went everywhere. God gave him a mind. God gave him a mind. God, it's like an experiment God wanted to do. Because I said, I want, I want to to empower a man to be able to go into all that men are doing and then let him come and give his result or what he has found concerning those things. You know, so a lot of times what keeps souls away from following God with all their might, loving him with all their strength, and everything is because the devil has given a promise that you see there's an aspect of life that you've not seen yet. If you just, just, if you just 
just waste your whole life and just focus on this following God thing. There's just so much about life you will never see. Many things you will never enjoy. You know, that's okay. What do you think? People your age right now, what are you doing in Los Angeles? Like your own age, your own. Praise God. When you come out, you look at Ottawa, Barry Bean, you look at, uh, praise God. See, what kind of, see, we have only one real highway, 417. That's, there's, nothing, there's nothing going on here, man. <laughs> praise the Lord. Or in New York or Miami. Or, I don't know. Those places are not even. It depends on what your own taste is, right? If your taste is nice buildings, you think Dubai. Are you getting what I'm saying? You, that will always make you feel like there's something about life that's just too sweet. There's just something. If you are just in one place, you know the way God's own things are. God, God always likes you almost being in one place. Eh? Just so that, why? So you can focus. So you can focus. God likes focus. Because God knows to develop the inward man. You need focus. Any soul who cannot focus cannot, will not be developed on the inside. You won't, be, you won't gather weight. You won't be grave. You won't be powerful. You won't be weighty in the spirit. If, because when you are moving around, you are spending energy. That's how, that's how they, they, they corrupt and erode the capacity of the soul. I'm not saying that God doesn't want to travel to places. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just telling you some kind of realities. You get? All I'm just telling you, okay, look at it this way. What I'm saying is that stay where God puts you. Because where God puts you, in that place, he will also put the graces and whatever it takes to manage the evil, like the prayer of Jesus. I'm not saying take them away from the world, but keep them. How does he keep? He's a wisdom. The way the Holy Ghost and the, the Father keeps a soul is that they, all, they said your own type of soul might not do well in this kind of environment. Even though there are some others who might be able to do well there because the aspect of them that can stand against that kind of destruction has not been eroded too much. But you, you might not have that kind of defenses. So you, let's put you here. And when you stay here, you will find in pastures. You know, that's the key of where a soul should stay. Where a soul should stay is where you have what? Where you have pastures. Where you can feed. There are places you will go to. When you, just, when you land there and you start living there, I'm telling you honest truth. When you start living there, pastures will just disappear. What I mean by pasture? Pasture doesn't mean, ah, boy, I'm still listening to the same message. No, you don't understand what pasture is. You can be listening to messages and reading books and not be feeding. Because the feeding of a soul is a spiritual transaction. There must be allowance. There's a way the soul must be positioned that what feeds the soul is spirit. That spirit can access the soul, the food of, that the Lord brings, the pasture of the Lord. Bring. When you read Psalm 23, it's very clear that you can't separate leading from feeding. He will lead me on the path of righteousness for his name's sake. He will tell you where to lie down in green pasture. Is the, the shepherd who knows where the green pasture is. Then because of all, he will now restore my soul. 
soul will not be. It was the restoration, the, 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 the bringing back of things which were stolen from, from the soul. But if a soul is not careful or not interested in restoration and the defeating of vanity, that soul will feel they can do anything, they can go anywhere, they can engage in anything, they can know anybody, they can befriend anybody, they can do any, they can do any business, wow. they can walk anywhere, they can know. Are you wow. getting what I'm trying to say? Yeah. But it's not true. It's not true. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Yeah. Do you get what I'm trying to say yeah. this morning? Thank you, Jesus. So those beings of, of the Spirit, they, they now said, okay, there's one who we call the Holy Spirit. Who is, who is our spirit? Right? He is our spirit. He's actually God. He's our spirit. But he can operate without the, the property of the, our logos. In other words, he, he might be dealing with, he can, he can deal with men outside our truth. And he can come into a man's situation and, and add wisdom. And say, okay, in this your arena of your own life, there's some things you can do better. Than, for example, don't steal, it's not good. <laughs> you know, Holy Ghost can tell you that. Now, don't steal, is not good. That is not an instruction from God's logos. Do you get what I'm saying? It's not an instruction from who? From God's logos. Because someone who is dead knows that it's not good. There are many reasons why you shouldn't steal. That has nothing to do with the life of God. It just doesn't make sense for you to. Even, even saying don't lie too is not, is not that, the, the not lying, I mean just what we know as lying is not a revelation from God. It's just something that when you check the natural man's life, lying is not very good for that life. That people who lie don't do too, 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 too well. Do you get what I'm saying? Although we've learned that there's something called, what they actually call lie, Really? In terms of when you now open the logos and check what does lying mean here, that one you can find somebody who doesn't lie physically, but when it comes to that lie, according to logos, his whole being is a lie, his whole existence is a lie. Praise God. Do you see what I'm saying? So, so, but the Holy Spirit, thank you, Jesus. To your name, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Thank you. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, we receive. Thank you. Father, we receive, we receive the eyes. We receive the discernment. We receive the, the scales. The scales to weigh. To weigh. To weigh. To weigh out vanity. Scales. Discernment. 
the eyes, the eyes to discern. We receive it. We receive it. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Judgment. Let judgment descend. Discernment. 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 Thank you. We receive it. We receive it. We receive it. We receive it, Father. Break the deception. The deception of vanity. Sight. Receive it. We receive it, Lord. We receive it. More the most Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Sight. hearts. Give us hearts that see, hearts that can discern. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Thank you. receive deliverance, deliverance from the grip of vanity, from the hold of vanity, we receive deliverance from the strength of vanity, we receive deliverance, freedom, 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 thank you, oh Thank you, Jesus. 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 
strength of vanity being broken. Let it be broken. Let it be broken. Let it be broken. We come, we come into deliverance. Kalabashi Pasto Supreno. We break loose from the hold of the present. We break loose from the grip of things that pass away. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus. Yes. 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 Thank you, Jesus.
you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you, Father. And Libra Hatevenos, Opaliana Macatariana Mash de Brande Venata. I am the I am man, I am the highest man, I am the I man, the I man. I am so high, but yet I am so meek. I am so high, I am the I man. I don't vaunt myself, I don't vaunt myself, but I am a man of war still. I am a man of war, and this is how I war. I cloud your thoughts, I bring my thoughts to your, to your court, I bring my thoughts and my ways, I flood them. I flood them in your heart. This is how I war. This is how I war. I bring my things. I bring my things. I bring my things. And in the giving of my things, it makes you low. And that is how you are I. It makes you low. And that is how you are I. For you see, for you see the fallen one. The fallen one was made with my things. I gave him things. But he looked upon himself. He looked upon himself and he went high. But in his going up high, he didn't know he went down. He went all the way down. So I am giving you my things that you may not look unto yourself, but you look unto me. For I am the eye man. I am the eye man. I am coming, taking out veils of deception. I am setting you free from Thank deception. You, I am setting you free Thank from you, deception. Jesus. I am come to set free from deception. For I am the eye man. I am the strong man. I am the man of war. I have come to set you free from deception. I have come to set you free from deception. For I am raising you high. I am raising you high. For in going high, you become low. In going high, you become low. I am raising you high. I am raising to my pedestal. I have come to raise you high. For even Michael, he loves the business of making men ascend. He loves the business of making men ascend. And he is here 
there for to make you high, for to raise you high, for to give you high, for to give you high. For there are things of my eyes. I am pouring it out. This is how I walk. I bring my judgments to you. I bring my thoughts to you. I give you my eyes. I give you my eyes. I give you eyes. Thank I am you. setting you free. For in your freedom is Thank in your you. singing. For in your freedom is in your singing. For your freedom is in your singing. Yes. For what you behold is what you become. Yes. What you behold is what you become. Yes. I am giving you eyes for to become. For to become. For you know in knowing. In mm. knowing. Mm. In knowing is mm. your becoming. What you Thank know you. is your becoming. Thank what you. you know is your becoming. This Thank is you. your reality. Thank you, Christ and God is your reality. There is nothing aside from that. Christ and God is the reality. Every other thing is an illusion. It is an illusion. It is an illusion by the mysterious one. But I am the one, the create. I am the creator, the mystery. I am Thank full you, of mysteries, Thank mysteries you, beyond men, mysteries beyond the world, mystery beyond even creation itself. I am mystery. I am mystery. I have come to set you free and to raise you high. Come up. Come up, come up, come up. I am bringing you up. I am bringing you up. I am committing things to bring you up. My own riches, yes. my own things, my things, my things. For you see, your riches are not in the things that you own. They are not in the things that you possess. They are not in the way men on the earth see you. But your riches are in having my nature. They are in having my nature. They are in becoming me. They are in becoming me. They are in becoming me. That is your riches. That is your riches. Yes. That is what you yes. are ordained to come into. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, mama, mama, kaliyarabashuha. Thank you, Father.
Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. The Lord is saying that some, some things are losing their strength. There are some holes, some strongholds that you begin to see. This is the beginning of their end in your life. The Lord, the Lord is saying that actually the stronghold has been broken. It has been broken. You just begin to see the, it playing out. Things losing their strength. You see, appetites just dying. Naturally. Naturally. Things just breaking. You no longer, you you will have strange strength to look at things. Things that you look at before and take hold of you, you have a look at them. And and because of eyes, you know, there's the, the dawning of sight. It's judgment to weigh things and apportion their worth to them. Things will not be able to seem more valuable to you than they actually are anymore because of so much riches of wisdom, ability to, you'll be able to weigh things, things that ought to be put aside, you put aside, you'll be able to prioritize the truth, prioritize things that will last, things that are everlasting, things that are eternal. The Lord is saying this is a a season of deliverance. Deliverance has come. Deliverance has come. Deliverance has come. The Lord will begin to move you so far away. So far. Things that easily beset you no longer will be able to find you anymore. It's it's because of the, the rapture. This ascension is talking about the rapture. It's a rapture which the the infusion of the thoughts of things of value. Because of the invasion of your heart, things of God, thing, true things, because of the invasion of those things, it will raise you so far above thoughts of things that will pass away. So shall it be unto you. In the name of Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Lord, we receive we receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Amen. Let's just continue by God's grace. Thank you. I just felt some of us were having encounters, so it was good to let, it, let the Lord do what he was doing. Praise God. Father, we bless your holy name. Amen. For many of us, truth will begin to find residence. There there are some truth that hadn't landed before, but now they will begin to land and and rest and sit. Things that used to, to, you know, the devil steals from us. Sometimes when you're getting a revelation, it should come and meet one that came before so they can form an image. But sometimes because of the way we use our soul, things are stolen from us. So things don't come together. We're not able to build a a wholesome image of what God is saying to us. But from today, you will gain strength to accumulate things. Your vessel will become theft-proof. Amen. 
you'll be able to carry thoughts and carry them for a long time until they bear fruit, until fruitfulness occurs in the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Now, in this chapter, um, let's just read. Amen. There are many things that I'm seeing now. I just, I'm just trusting God for direction and what he wants to say. In the time that we have left, praise God. Father, I pray you will help us, direct us to, to get what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Thank you. Now, one of the, the, strong, the strength of um, corruption is um, it's... It's almost like a promise. It's a promise that uh, is a promise of some of kind of increase to man. It's a promise of a kind of an increase. That's actually when you look at the DNA of the pride of life. You know, when they summarize all the things that are in the world, is lusts and then that thing called pride, right? And we saw that that thing called pride of life. Is the most difficult aspect. Mm-hmm. Is the, in other words, it's the, the thing called pride of life is the most difficult thing to be delivered from in the world. The most difficult thing for a soul to be delivered from in the world. Because it's so, it's so, it's almost invisible. The soul who, is, who has it because it's not just pride, it's pride of life. The, the pride of life, it manifests as the, the inward tendency for, to increase and exalt one's own life. The, the tendency, even the strength that preserves our life, the life with the Lord wants to take from us and replace with the life of Christ, the strength that keeps it is that thing called the pride. It's the pride of it that makes us hold on to it. Are you seeing that? So that pride is not, not just pompous thing. And, oh, I'm the biggest guy. It's, it's actually a, it's something you, you, you take pride in it. You take pride in your, own, in your own life. And so that thing is actually is a kind of exaltation. It's, one of, it's a nature. It's the, the most powerful. It's like Satan took an aspect of his DNA and just put it in the world. And say that if anybody overcomes everything, they overcome all the loss and everything, this one, they can never overcome it. Because this is actually kind of my DNA, but I infuse it into their own life. And let them treat their life the way me I treat my own life. Do you see that? And you see the way he treats his own life is he has a, this, this conversation here, let's see, in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, in verse, verse 4. Praise God. Coming from verse 3, it says, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except 
there come a falling away first, and that, me, that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is what? Worshipped. So that he, as God, seated in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So this nature here is, is also is the nature of um, this Antichrist who comes. He has a nature. He opposes he opposes and exalted. There are two, two operations, two things that he does, he will do. Uh, is that he opposes and exalted. He opposes and exalt. To oppose and to what? To exalt. Now, he is not the only person who will do this. It's his actual nature. And everything which he created, which he has infused with his spirit, has the same attitude and operation of opposing and exalting itself. So, you see, all these things that they call all that is called God, all that is called God, all, the, all things that are named like God, he wants to oppose and then exalt. You know, I find that the, the dealing of opposing and exalting, there is also the same operation that is actually in the world. It's really the nature of worldliness. The worldly nature is actually also to oppose and to exalt itself. Uh-huh. But this one is able to oppose and exalt itself against all that is called God, but the world is actually anointed to oppose and, excel, and exalt itself against Christ. Anything that is Christ. It's still the same operation. Praise the Lord. Right? Said so the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. Right? Casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of Christ. So that's a realm of high things. Praise God. The, the realm of high, there's, there are realm of high things in the world. The world is actually a, is a realm of high things. It's a, it's a constitution of high things. Things that are powerful, they oppose and then they exalt themselves. So there are things that oppose the nature of Christ and want to then what? Exalt what? The themselves. The part, I'm seeing opposition as, the, as lustful operations. And then I'm seeing exaltation as prideful operations. Those are the two kind of operations of death. When you see someone dying, check loss and pride are there. Hey. I mean, when a soul, when a soul is deprecating, yeah. how you is yes. difficult to remove oh. things from a soul if the soul is not first God is not um, cooperating with lusts. And pride. Actually, lust is the way he steals. And then pride is the way he kills. 
oppose means to take the opposite position. To oppose means to sponsor the opposite. Right, to, to sponsor, do what it takes to entrench and solidify the opposite. Is that, that thing about operation is actually is a, is a sophisticated operation to oppose you know, in terms of how, how does the world oppose Christ, the formation of Christ in a man is a sophisticated operation. It's actually a complex intertwined cooperation of lusts. Lust for things that are opposite to the essence of Christ wow. in his soul. Wow. Praise the Lord. So when the love of the, or what we call the lost, right? Love, you can, when you want to, set, to break down love of the world, the love of the world is the lost and the pride. It's the lost and pride that makes up love. It's not pride, it's not only, love is not only lost alone. If lost, if love, love that is only lost, is not too, too powerful. It's not, it's not, it's, it won't be deep enough. It won't be sophisticated enough if it's only lost. But what we are saying, this thing they are talking about, this love of the world, is a lost and a pride. It's a lost and a pride. So it's not just about what men like to have. Is about what men think of themselves. And then those two things, they stand and they, they, they are like twins. <laughs> they go hand in hand like this. They lock themselves together. So if you are going after what the, what the person loves, you, you, are, you will begin to fight a losing battle if you, are, if you are not also at the same time able to deal with who he is. Because it's who... Is, 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 the, is the elevation, the exaltation of it's his life that then necessitates those losts. Yes, exactly. That, you know, those losts are not just hanging losts. They're not just, ah, well, I, those are things that are nice to have, no. Is that there's something about him that makes those losts register as essential to the life yeah. which he's living. And then to get to the life, you can't easily get to the life. You, because he doesn't even know there's a life there. It is actually, you'll be seeing loss around. But you don't know that that loss is coming from somewhere. That, that there's something about the, the man, the exaltation of a man's own life. That when a person doesn't deal with that, you can never be able to come into Christ or come into the Lord. It's difficult to love Christ when you haven't really, really dealt with the love or the pride the pride, the pride. Say pride, pride. of life. Uh-huh. So that's the, what we're talking about, pride of life. Now, when, what Christ wants to deal with is the pride of the life. Now, Christ cannot fully take away the life. That's not part of Christ's job. You actually need to remove a man's life. You, don't, more than, you need more than Christ. Do you get what I'm trying to say? 
to, to remove a man's life real fully, you need more than Christ. But what Christ can do is Christ can remove the pride of the life. Do you get what I'm saying? A man who has lost the pride in his life, that's the kind of man that has come into the fear of the Lord. He's a broken man. He's a broken man. He's, a, he, he's seen the life there. Praise the Lord. He's, he's seen, he's seen about that, but there's something about that the Christ has done to him that he has been able to remove any pride in that life. is gone. Completely. The pride of the life is the server of the life. The server of the life means the enjoyment of the life. You still enjoy your life. When you still enjoy your life, uh, you, cannot, you cannot come into the conversation of God's life when you enjoy your own life. Still. And you know that God, what God wants to give is his life. Do you agree with that? That's, that is life is what you call everlasting life. So anybody who has everlasting life is not ordinary. That person, praise the Lord. Because actually the power that ties a man's life to him, to him is actually the everlasting powers. Everlasting means that it's hard to come up with anything in the creaturely world that can break dislodge a man from his life. It's not an easy thing, no. It's not an easy thing to dislodge a man from his life. And then to make a man say, okay, my own life, I don't like it. What I like is God's kind of life, which is the life which the Father wants to give to man. That is the real kind of life that God wants to give, God's own kind. When I say life, 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 you wonder what is this talking about? Even though some of us who might not be who might not be familiar with this kind of a message or something. I mean, what's his life now? It's life. When you say, what is life? Life is just... Life, uh, life is the summation of things that... Praise God. Amen. Life is the principle. The principle that is using your soul. The principle that is the, the, is the, the fundamental principle. So when, I, when you break that down, you will now begin to see many things. It has to do with all the composition of the thoughts and the ways. The thought and the way. You know the thought and the way of a man. Let's say a normal person like you. Amen. Amen. Then you now compare it with the thought and the way of, let's say, Jesus. They are not the same. (laughs) Right? If it was you, and then they subjected you to everything, all the resources that Jesus was subjected to while he was growing up, what you would do would be different. You discover that that time when Jesus was now 30 and then at Jordan, that you might not be around that place at all. Maybe you might have moved to Europe or something. You'd have been living somewhere else. 
Do you know what Jesus was? At the age of age 12, he was already talking about his father's business. That's not a normal man. That's not it. The life that was, that was, that was being cultivated on the inside of him is not like your, our own kind of life. That is work, work, coming back, going back to work, rent, paying house rent. That's not. Am I saying you shouldn't pay house rent? No, I'm just saying that. See, praise God. Oh, you think Jesus was not paying his rent? Or you think maybe Jesus wasn't paying his rent or something? No. I'm just saying that house rent should be, should be house rent. But many of us, when they check your soul, they see house rent there. Do you know what I'm trying to say? That there's someone that has tied that thing to, your, your, to the present. When Jesus was speaking and they wonder, wow, what kind of, he's not educated, but he knows all these things. Hmm. I know somewhere you might feel that it was just an angel that just came and said, was just teaching him history, teaching him all, all of that. No, Jesus actually read books. He read things. Yes, sir. You get what I mean? Maybe not through tra- traditional school, yeah. but by the spirit, when he's relating with people, he could gain knowledge. Do you get what I'm trying to Some of us, if you know, maybe at your age, you knew half, tiny, a quarter of what Jesus knew at that age. Someone like me can't even be talking to you. Why? Because the way you, it will be to you, it will be part of your life. Do you get what I'm trying to say? That's what I'm talking about. When I say life, I'm just talking about I'm talking about where you are flowing from. Now, are you seeing the depth of what God is trying to change here? <laughs> so it should, be, it should be coming more, more clear to you that this is not a release, no religion, or let's go and pray here or do something. No, we are talking about the... The, the dismantling of a frame, the inward frame of the soul of a man, and the building of another image. You, you remove the, delete the image that, you know, image is, is subconscious depth of programming that a wicked spirit has done to men on the earth. That's what Christianity is. The Christianity is the reprogramming of man to take the thoughts of God, take the way of God, rise above corruption, Things that pass away for a man to stand. Wow. And they say, Look at this man. You see, this man, his life doesn't consist in the abundance of his possession. It doesn't mean he doesn't have anything, but that those, he can have things without those things being part of the conversation of his life. Praise the Lord. So, so you see this operation of the world, you're opposing and the exalting. Those are the two things. They work together. They work together. Amen. Amen. The, 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 in verse 10, if you, if you read verse, I want, I want to skip some things. In verse 9, praise God, he was speaking of the same, this Antichrist spirit. He's saying, even him who's coming is after the walking of Satan, Right? with all power and signs and lying wonders. So his own coming is after the walking of Satan, right? His own coming, this Antichrist, 
His own coming is after the working of Satan. Then this Antichrist has something that he is the fullness of something. He's the fullness of, he's, he's almost like an in-between kind of a, a being. He's like, a, he's, a, he's a mature worldly man. But a mature worldly man who has, who has taken authority of Satan. Do you get what I'm trying to say? That's what makes him special. Right? It's sometimes a little bit too difficult to cite this Antichrist, what kind of a being he is. Like where, because, because you see him, he's, he's a man. When I say he's a man now, he's an operation. Even the spirit of the Antichrist, they are, they're actually spirits that have been sent to use the, the human frame, yes, to, to control the human frame. You get what I mean? And those spirits are already in the world. They're already working on men. So this Antichrist man is, is a picture of when all those forces of corruption in the world come together and then produces the stature that all the world is meant to have. Then that person, then, then now Satan then comes and says, okay, you, I want to take you because you've done very well in this thing called the world in terms of your exercise of the opposition of anything Christ. And the, you know what I'm saying? You've, you, you've used lust. You've, you've, we've checked you. You've, you, you handled lust wonderfully. You are able to, you're able to organize your life well based on lust. And then you're, the, you're able to keep the pride of your life. You're able to resist anything that came against you to, 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 to remove your, the love of your life from you. You resisted it. You've come, you've settled in pride of your life. That's who this man is. Is a, a pure worldly soul. This man was actually a king in the world. But he was like, almost like a king of kings. He was a, a real master when it comes to these things. Then said, I say, I like you. Come, you did well. You've done well with my... With, you see, what I, a lot of people were not doing well with this thing, like this thing called the world that, I, that I, I created. But you did very, very well in this cause. There's now for left for you a crown. That's just, it's right. It's someone who prospers so much with the wall and he finished everything and Satan said, ah! Then Satan will give him his own seat according to Revelation chapter 13. Right? This beast, this is the same beast. Let's read that Revelation quickly, chapter 13. I stood upon the sand of the sea. Revelation 13, verse 1, upon the sand of the sea, I saw a beast rise out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast, for you to say name of blasphemy, a name of blasphemy. There are people who blaspheme, but they don't have this thing called the name. This is the name. That word name means seal, stature. Praise God. Now, who is a blasphemer? A, a blasphemer is somebody who has, who has excelled in opposing and exalting. That's, his, that's the nature. Right? That's, blaspheming is the, is the crescendo of opposition and exalting something else. You get what I'm saying? And that's what he's doing here. Name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard. 
and his feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him power. So you see, all these characteristics are different characteristics which the world should give to his soul. There's, there's something called the, the nature of a leopard. That's the wisdom of the world. So, it, so when, but when that, that thing now, you know, there's wisdom. All of these things in the world, they, are, they have a journey, a place they need to get to. When you say someone is wise, you're just wise in this world. You know, Paul spoke about the wisdom of this world and all of those things. He said, least sensual, all of those things. But you see, that wisdom has a, a, an end, a perf- almost a perfection state. Is that all of those nature of the world, they have to journey to become beastly. Say beastly. What's the word of what's the meaning of a beast? A beast means a, speci- a specialized state. That's one characteristic of different kinds of beasts. When I beast, I mean animals. That like each of them have their specialty. Like like a dog, for example, try and smell the way a dog smells. Have you studied? You read anything about the dog's olfactory smelling ability? You will be shocked. How many smells he can smell? At the same time, he can distribute, he can smell all the smells of everybody. He knows them in his head. Yeah. He doesn't confuse them. Yes, the, all kinds of, I, that's a specialization. It's a beastly tendency. So when you say beast, it's the, it's the, it's the, it's the, it's when you, you're able to carry an attribute and to, to a specialized yeah. st- state. Yeah. Like an ego. Now, what are, what, an ego is a master of flight, right? Yes, sir. Wings that kill other birds. An ego just can sleep there as if nothing is going on. It's by, it's by laws. There's a, there's a specialization of flight. The law of flight is so specialized in the ego that it's so skilled in that. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? So, this, all this, so you see, these beasts will now have different key specialization. You see the leopard, which is wisdom, and then the feet of a bear, the mouth of a lion. Then you now see, because of that, the dragon then gave him, this dragon, of course, is the devil. They, they, you saw him in the previous chapter that we went to devour the woman. And they now said, this dark dragon is Satan, and he's also the devil. So this dragon then gave him his power. So this power and then seat and great authority. So that will tell you who this, this man of sin is. He's a man of sin and then the son of perdition. So that was son of perdition is, the, is what Satan gave to him. So this, the, him being called the son of perdition is talking about the, the power, the seat, and the authority. Those are the things that make you a son. Power, seat, and authority. So the word perdition means destruction, the son of destruction, the man of sin. So only a man of sin can become the son of perdition. That's that Second Thessalonians chapter 2 that we were reading here. Are we understanding what I'm trying to say? So the man of sin, son of perdition, is, is marrying of two realms, right? It's the peak of worldliness that has then received authority from Satan. Yeah, and it's for a purpose. It's for a purpose. Now, the reason why they are speaking about this here is they must talk about it to make men know where, where you are headed when you play with worldliness. 
God doesn't like, God doesn't want men to get here. God has done a lot to prevent men from getting here. Sometimes he might just kill somebody. You have come too wicked. You can't, we can't leave you on the edge where you are going. Just, we don't want, and, even, and that, that might be because God might say, it's not time yet for the earth to have this kind of person. Because Satan wants to quickly find this kind of man. He wants to find, because when you have this kind of man on the earth, These men are, they are, they are so powerful. You know, people who have mastered loss, they, not, they, they are not only lossful, they become distribution centers of loss too. If you hang around them, you, you, you drink of their own loss. The thing they lost after, you begin to lost after it. That way. Same thing with pride of life as well. Do you get what I'm trying to say? That's the use of that, that Satan has for this being. But this chapter is almost doing like an x-ray of his own nature. and telling you, okay, how did such a man become like this? What are his attributes? You know, find out everything that made him who he is, is in the little worldliness we are doing. It's just that, it's just that we, are not able to, we are not seeing the end of where it's going to. I can almost bet you that this guy they're talking about here, that when he started, he didn't wake up and say, no, one day I'm going to be the son of perdition. <laughs> one day I'm going to take, you see the seat of Satan, his authority, his name, everything, that's my goal, I'm looking for it. That's not, I don't, I don't think so. This was just probably somebody who was just being worldly and was enjoying worldliness. Mm-hmm. Uh-uh. Then, as in, because of too much enjoyment of worldliness, because to get to this stature, you must have opposed. So there's no way that this person got here without him coming to encounter with the truth. Do you, not, do you understand what I'm trying to say? That's the danger of lusts and pride, is that they empower a person against the truth. Are you seeing the danger of what I'm, what I'm trying to see? These are not ordinary times. To me, I, what I, I strongly believe is that this is a time where if anybody is heading here, heaven will not intervene. They will allow you. Because it's the end time. These are the times now. That's a sign of this time. Heaven will allow you. The devil is also looking for it. Because, he, because there will be a time where he will now let it will let. That which is withholding it will be moved out of the way. Praise the Lord. Are you getting what I'm saying? This is, this is the time and season where men will... They are, there's many, so much investment on the air to drive men to their end. They will drive you... Okay, are you facing this direction? We can help you get there very quickly. And if you want to be bad, you can get very, very bad very easily. Yeah. Amen. Um, now, you see, the, the, the problem we had here is... In verse 10. Let's see verse 10. Verse 10. Or let's see verse 9. He said, even him who's coming is after the walking of Satan. Do you see that? He's after the walking of Satan with all power and signs and then what? Lying wonders. That's the purpose of this sight. Sight. Though she was just talking about sight there. And to elevate, to elevate you with sight is, is to... Give, make you strong against 
All deceivableness. What kind of a language is that? Right? It's only Holy Ghost can make men talk like this. Right? When you say he's able to walk after the working of Satan with all power, so all power, signs, and then lying wonders, and it is with all deceivableness of unrighteousness. All deceivableness. What is the meaning of all deceivableness of unrighteousness? Able. They added ability to the deception. So the ability, all abilities of deception. That is his, his operation, these lying signs and wonders. It is, it is all is powerful when it comes to being able to deceive. It is all the strength of deception. That, praise God. In them that perish. Why? Because they what? Receive not what? The love. So, to the soul that receive not the love of the truth, so that they might be saved. So, is the receiving of the Love of the truth that is the defense against the deceivableness of unrighteousness. Any soul who is being unrighteous and truth is coming is because that unrighteousness is, is, is a deceit somewhere. The, the, what makes a soul put value on something that's passing away and then ignore something that is eternal is because he is being deceived. It's it's not not really a clear eyes. If all of us are just fully clear eyes, let's say our eyes are all fully healed, right? You will not need too much preaching. How long have you been? I feel like after a while, I I felt like I've been preaching the same message every Saturday. (laughs) You know what I mean? Maybe I felt somewhere that today I might preach something else, but I feel like I'm still preaching the same thing. What kind of thing is this? Right? (laughs) It's because that thing they want to break. It's not hearing ones. No, no. You've not, there's, there's what they call deceivableness. Oh, right. Why you will preach to somebody and they say, hey, hey, hey. Ah, I've heard it now. They will quote the scripture, tell you the message that you, everything, but they've not changed what they were doing. You know that when you say, when you go and then map their, their life, the plot of their life, before they heard the message and after they heard it, before and after is the same. You can exchange them for each other. You know, a cause is not changing. Path is not changing. Decisions are not changing. Way of living are not changing. How they spend their time are not changing. What they are doing are not changing. The way they are yielding the heart to attitudes, to lusts, to pride and these things are not changing. It means that there's something that's, that's called, say, say Ability. The, the, the ability, sometimes we underestimate the ability of deception. And, and I feel like the church has underestimated it for too much and for too long. We put too much emphasis. Oh, did they get born again? Evangelism. Oh, thank God. Praise the Lord. They've all come and they are now all workers. Look. No. We've not, we've not even begun to Touch what Satan has done in the soul. 
That's why they call, they say that you might know how you ought to conduct yourself in the church, which is the pillar and ground of truth. What's the meaning of that? The pillar. The church is meant to be the pillar and ground of truth. The pillar and the ground of truth. The, the church should also be a workshop where when a soul lands in that workshop, you have tools and skills, skilled instruments who God has raised to travel to the depth of the works of Satan in the heart. And I'm seeing churches. Churches. Very soon, what you call church will not be church anymore. Very soon, God is, I'm seeing the Lord empowering churches. And sometimes, even the churches you thought, these are the weakest church. That when you examine them, say, this one, they don't even have one single, you feel like they don't have one single hope in terms of these things, but you will see how it will happen. One day, some pastors will just come and say, look, we are not playing here anymore. If you want to go, go right now. If you want to stay, stay. It's time to start the lost business. Yeah. 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 So how will that happen? Just watch. Watch and see. Watch and see. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. The church will be the pillar and ground of truth. Where, where truth, truth will be taught. Where you, someone will go to church and you will come back with weapons against vanity. Resolve, power. Power to refuse the way and the life of the world. And some of us think that maybe it's new churches that we have to arrive. God has to go and raise some, some bad spiritually, you know, pastors that they were raised in the wilderness. Maybe you would send them to Northwest Territory to, and go and raise them in the cold or something. So these are those who are not defiled with... Uh, <laughs> and so they are coming to set up new churches, different, a different breed of churches. No, it's not. No, no, no. The same churches you know. The same churches. I'm telling you, I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. You, you will get to a time where it will be hard for someone to go to a church and come back without a, having a serious encounter with truth. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. In the name of Jesus. God is just like that. You know, God will wait until... <laughs> before he comes, when everybody has given up hope, when all the Christians have said, ah, all this church, we are all tired of this church, church, church thing. We are just doing the same thing. You know, that time when you feel like there's no hope anymore, that's when God shows up. Remember it was, it was when we were without strength. In due season. Remember when Jesus Christ came? When the memory of the so-called, you know how the world was, right? That at, you know, it was the Jews who were carrying the memory of God on the earth. It wasn't the Gentiles. The Gentiles were gone. But, but when you now came to the Jews, even Jews had forgotten God. That was how bad it was before Jesus came. The darkness of the times. 
a time when God could not even speak to the high priest anymore. That the high priest has, probably has lost the mechanism of hearing God. In the, day in the book of, was it Luke or the time when Annas and Caiaphas were high priests in Jerusalem, the word of the Lord came to what? To John in the wilderness. That means that the priesthood was actually completely gone. The temple was, they were buying and selling, it was a business center. God waited and waited. When priesthood was still working, God said, it's not time yet. We have to, you know how we do things now? Is that our strength shows up in weakness. When Paul was beseeching, beseeching the Lord because of the messenger of Satan that was sent to him, God gave him a, a revelation. Look, 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 look. My grace is sufficient for you because my strength is made perfect in your weakness. So any time it's getting very, very weak and hopeless, that's when something called mercy inside of me. That, that's the right environment for merciful operation. When when, when men are still strong, we can do it. You know, you, know, you, know, you know, there was a time of strength when guys were like, we're going to evangelize the whole world. The world is going to know about Jesus. Crusade and everything. Now, it's very hard. Even missionaries are getting tired right now. When you, when you look at even just the society, the kind of laws they are passing, pass like, God, we've tried. Men are not ready. Just the, the few of us who like you, just come and take us. Let's go home. When there's no longer hope, when there's no longer hope, you see bad men who begin to turn, who begin to change. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. There are some of us who, if you're not careful, some of your relatives who, you, who you've been disturbing with this, this kind of word, and they say, look, why are you wasting your time? And some of us are getting discouraged because of them. Amen. Praise God. If you're not careful, many of them, it's just that their time hasn't come. That's why we have to be careful. The fact that you're hearing this, this, this level of truth is not because there's anything special about you or anything. And, and God would, when God wants to judge you, it's not that, ah, you say, God, we're about the first I heard it all. God, do you remember that time? Well, what of righteousness, nothing like that. We're the ones. It's not based on that, too. In the end, it comes down to what, when you heard, what did you do with it? Your own season. Your own time. Praise God. Father, we thank you. So this deceivable of unrighteousness, deceivableness of unrighteousness is in them that perish is because they received not the word because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. So this reinforces what was said in verse 13, right? That the purpose of choice unto salvation, right? God has chosen unto salvation, but it is through operation of sanctification. There's the first sanctification, right? Which is the sanctification of the spirit. But then there's what you call the belief of the truth. The belief of the truth is also a word, is a kind of word, is a sanctification by word, by truth. A sanctification by truth. <clears throat> Which actually begins with the sanctification of who? Of Christ. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, let's see 
quickly chapter 13 as we round up of Revelation that we're reading. We'll be finishing very soon. Amen. Amen. Revelation chapter 13, verse... From verse 3, it says, And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded unto death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wandered after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon which gave power unto the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things, and what? Blasphemies, and power was given to him to continue, what? Forty and two months. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God, to blaspheme his name, and his tabernacle, and then them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them, and power was given him over all kindred and what? Tongues and what? And nation. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life, the book of life of the Lamb, <coughs> slain from what? The foundation that if any man have an ear, that let him, if any man hath an ear, let him do what? Let him hear. Um, so you've you just seen this, this kind of stature, which is the end of where an ungodly man, right, is getting to. This, this beast, when they say a beast, is actually like a man. Is really a man. We all know that, right? This beast is a man, but has qualities like a beast. What makes him beastly is the amount of specialization he has. His soul has come into concerning certain things. That's what makes him beastly. You see it again in, in the beginning. He said, I saw, verse 1, out of the sun of the sea, a beast rise up, having, you see, seven heads, and then what? Ten horns. So it's not an ordinary beast. It's not like the beast of the field. You cannot see a beast of the field that can have seven heads. But when a man becomes a beast, a man can have seven heads. Why? Because a man can be, can be a multi-specialized entity. It's not like it's because a man wasn't supposed to be a, like a beast, right? A man is not supposed to be like a beast like this, right? A man is different, but when he becomes beastly, he has seven what? Like that was seven head. What is the meaning of head? Head just is almost like the, um, what is head now? How do I describe head, head? So think of the soul and think of the, the head, the soul having a head, right? So a head is like a, it's like a thinker. It's almost like a thinker. It's like a, a personality of, a, of some sort. Or a head is a kind of a sense. Do you get what I'm saying? It has a kind of a what? Sense. So you see, this beast will have different senses, Right, and each of those senses are actually well developed. Yeah. Different kinds of senses that are what that are well 
that are well developed in different areas, in different what? Areas, different dimensions. Praise God. Now, what those heads that didn't get developed at once, they kept getting developed gradually. They kept getting developed what? Gradually, gradually. The purpose of the world is to develop heads in the soul. The world wants to wear thinking caps on you. Right? Make you bring, uh, it wants to develop you to be, to be able to stand, to stand like inwardly in the soul. Praise the Lord. To stand and to, to take on nature. You see, so that's this thing called the world. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Amen. The world is the world is a giant ocean that from where many rivers flow. Many waters. If you read chapter um, 17 of Revelation, when it spoke about the woman, mystery Babylon the Great, who was seated upon many waters. Seated upon those many waters. They spoke about the many waters which the woman seated. She spoke about tribes and tongues and all of those nations. Praise God. When you say tribes and tongues, in terms of that worldly sense, it's not necessarily talking about you are from Ijo, I'm from Yoruba, I'm from something. Those are not the tribes in the sense of the world. I mean, if you already know that, you know that. Uh When they're talking about worldly nature, it has tribes. It's not that thing. It's talking about the different tribe. Uh, a tribe in a tribe is a particular kind of people who are who are united by a common project. Is a project. The world gives men projects. You see, this aspect is a. And when a, when a project has matured, it raises a head. It's like is a is a is an operation. Are you getting what the sense of what I'm trying to say? Yeah, what is a head? A head is something that can blaspheme. If you read chapter 13, that's the purpose of the head of the beast. is to blaspheme God, blaspheme his name, blaspheme the temple, blaspheme all that is worship. Are you seeing what I'm saying? So it's very clear. So the head, this head you are speaking of, are the finished product of the capacity to oppose and to exalt, which is what the world is developing in souls. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? So each of those heads, they, st- they can stand in their own right to oppose and exalt themselves against all that is what that is called God. Are you, are you seeing what I'm saying? Now, as I'm talking, I hope you are not seeing beast and head. You are seeing soul. That's why you should be seeing. Because be, if you are seeing beast and head, you won't be you, uh, scary something. You won't understand all this. That's the way the scripture is. But the Lord will give you a sense of what I'm saying. Are, are you seeing what I'm trying to say? So it's, so, it's, so it's very clear that what the heads are, what grew the heads on the beast are lust and pride. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lust and what? And pride. Lust and pride. Lust and pride. Lust and pride. Lust and pride. That the operation of lust and pride is what grew that thing. Right? What is the head? The head is, is that which can receive name 
seat, authority. That was what the devil gave to him. Do you agree with me? So, what will receive head seat authority is the development of in the project of lust and pride that the world has given to soul. So, uh, we can just end here and if there's anything you can take from today is gain strength to refuse the project that the world has, is giving to you. That Satan is giving them by proxy. Right? He's making us feel like, well, this is not just living normally, the women. No. It's that men who are living, they are, they've carried project. They them have their own calling. There's what you call the calling of the living. There's also the calling of the dead. That when you, you know, I've said before that when you go to a graveyard, everywhere seems silent. That thing is actually a lie. It's a lie. So when you, when you go to the graveyards of souls, which is the place where all the souls who are dead are, you now discover that inside the grave, things happen. Sometimes more things there happen in the grave than, Yes. Because those guys who are in the grave, the reason what keeps them there is that they have a different calling. To a calling to prosper in the things that the dead do what? To prosper in. So the, the strength I'm trusting the Lord will give us is the strength to refuse any project that God has not given you. What are the project lost and pride? The devil wants you to make sure that you are, you are increasing it every day. And as you are living, you are doing things, going to work, coming back, going to school, that like you are maintaining the project and it's increasing. In other words, you should, you should be more lustful today than you were yesterday. Have more, have more pride and more reliance on your, your, your life that is passing away than on the life which God wants to give to you. When they check it, are you, are you advancing in that area? Yeah, you are doing well. But well, well, you need to make a decision that every day when Satan comes to check his project, let him be disappointed. That is a soul that heaven is saving. That every time they are coming to check, why is he not doing well with this thing? Why is his loss diminishing when it should be increasing? Why is he not loving his life as much as he should love it? Is he not seeing how others are living? Are you not seeing how what things men are going after? Why is he not? Why is he or she not going after them? What's going on? I want you to make up your mind. You will cause hell a problem. That any time they think of you, they will be thinking of problem. What are we going to do concerning this person? You just begin. You become a rebel. You begin to disobey lust. Begin without. Without care, without sense of, oh, what will happen to me tomorrow? Ah, will I miss out on this? With reckless abandon. When lust is coming, you say, no, I don't care about you. I don't care if I lose my life. In fact, I want to lose the life. That's the attitude. That's the attitude that God wants to. The Lord wants to burden us. Can we be on our feet? Just begin to pray.
strength, <coughs> power, to make you powerful. And when vanity, you know vanity is loud and vanity comes with arguments. Now when it comes that your soul will have the strength to say no, that this thing has no profit, I will not spend my life on you anymore. I will not spend my soul on you anymore. Just begin to ask the Lord to furnish your heart, to furnish you with strength, to furnish you. You have so much grace, so much grace to possess your vessel. So much grace. That instead of depreciating, you begin to appreciate. You begin to increase. You begin to increase. You begin to ascend. Lust will begin to die. Pride will begin to die. Rather, there will be an accumulation of truth. Truth. Mara la se se tere ma su se para ba su sundori ere bozo se pregele bosco. Just keep praying, let's pray just a, a little more, pray a little more. Keep praying. Connect it. Connect that strength from your depth. Connect that strength. That strength that heaven is that heaven is sending to you right now. There's a strength that heaven is sending to you right now. Open up your depth. Connect it. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. 
Glory to your name. Oh, yes. We receive strength. Marabaguri Kayarabas, the Paran Sariarabas, Sopreta Maroriarabosa. E prandeli parole kapazude erevozo sotomir enderi andele praole kalioske. Shamatata eba o shepahata. E prandele au setalarabazuri erevozo toko. Kantaye tapari erevozo. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Our Father, we thank you. We bless your holy name. Father, we thank you. Our hearts are open to receive from you. We know that you've not just spoken words today. This is actually an impartation. Thank you, Father. We'll begin to come to enjoy the strength of which truth will cause our heart to have the grace to reject the world it is lost it is pride Father we thank you because grace is being released has been released from heaven thank you Jesus we begin to feel and experience the expediency of eternal things, of everlasting things. Thank you for the wisdom to redeem the times, to be kept from the evil of the day. Thank you. Thank you. I ask you to let these words travel far. Holy Spirit, as Jesus said, bring to our remembrance all that has been said. Thank you. We receive from you. Bless you, Jesus. May this spirit follow us. Amen. When we are discouraged, may it speak. Amen. We are not only going with instruction, but we will receive guidance. Amen. Guidance in the way. Amen. At every time we hear a voice behind us saying, This is the way, walk in it. This is the way, walk in it. This is the way, walk in it. That voice will never cease. Thank you. We are overcomers. Overcomers of vanity, of corruption, of those things that pass away. We will lay hold on incorruptibility. Thank you, our God. We give all the praise to your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Dwells between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth.